Amen. Well, I am thrilled to be here again this morning, and uh, we are uh, going to uh, enter into a, a discussion this morning that I believe is a very, very important discussion, and I am so glad to have my wife up here this morning on this Mother's Day joining me in this conversation for our life talk today. And so uh, I do want to welcome everyone again who is here and or if you are watching via live stream, we're so glad that you are here and part of our conversation this morning. And our goal with these conversations is uh, is for each of us to be able to uh, have a to have a to be able to assess ourselves and kind of where we are at. I said it last week, but I'll say it again, that none of us have arrived yet. None of us have, have gotten to the place where we, uh, where we want to be, desire to be. Uh, we all have some progress to make still, and, and we all have areas in our own lives that God can change us and form us. And that's, that's our hope, that through these conversations that we would also pick up the conversation across the dinner table or we would pick up the conversation across the lunch table with somebody that you work with and and that we would continue conversations about Jesus Christ. And so our our topic here this morning is a little bit of a play on words here, but it's holiness in the home, holiness in the home. And what we are talking about is is being whole for the the church or I'm sorry, for the uh, for the family within the within the home to be whole and there is a there's a scripture and I didn't give this to our, our media this morning but there's a scripture in in Psalm chapter one thirty three then in the King James it says behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity you could also say how good and pleasant it is for families to dwell together in unity. And it's, that is God's desire is for there to be unity within the home, but not just unity with one another, but unity with Him. And that is, that is our, our desire, uh, to, to be able to have a home that is built upon a firm foundation, to be unified behind one goal, one purpose, and to be whole because of that, that one purpose that we are doing everything with. And so uh, I'm going to I'm going to set this up just with a with another scripture. If you want to grab your Bible, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, we're going to go to verse 24 and 25. This is a very short parable that Jesus tells and he's talking about a house that is being built. He says, "Here therefore whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him to a wise man which built his house upon a rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and they beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And right, that is this is our goal, to found our house, to found not not our physical house, although I certainly hope that my house is built on a firm foundation. Uh, I think it stood for Twenty some years. I hope that it's uh, it'll stand for a whole lot longer than that. But uh, our house, we're, our goal is to build it up on a firm foundation. And with that, when we 
are, we are building a, a family. We have three boys, and um, could you tell all the ages of our, of our boys? I hope it's because, <laughs> if not because, but you don't know. I'm sure you know. Um, yeah, so if you've been around here for any amount of time, uh, you know that our boys are very different um, individually. Um, so Asher is 10. Uh, they're, all, they're all getting ready to, to level up. They're all getting ready to age up here this summer. But Asher's 10. He's introverted by nature. Um, he, he really, he's a good boy. He's like, when we're like, hey, go outside and play, he's like, oh, but I just want to stay inside and read. <laughs> And so we're like, no, you need to go out and get some sun. And he said, can I take a book? <laughs> uh, so if, in a nutshell, that's Asher's personality. Fitzgerald is um, your typical middle child, which I can very much relate to. And that's also an, another reason Fitzgerald and I kind of butt heads a little bit. Um, but he, he is an athlete. He goes from zero to 80 miles an hour all the time. Um, there's like no in between. And then Langston... You all know the jury is still out on Langston. We don't know whether we're coming or we're going. Um, but a lot of times we are questioning, like, like, are we making a difference in our children that our life's work, our life's work to the building the kingdom and bearing fruit, are we also bearing fruit in the lives of our children? Um, because when it's all broken down, they are actually our life's most important work. We love Kendallville. We love this church. But if our children, if our children are not our most important work, then then what is everything else? Um, so, you know, like through through the years, we we can kind of look back to these moments of like, okay, all right, there is maybe a little bit of fruit. And <laughs> there was a couple HYCs ago. What year do you think that was? I think maybe two thousand. 17 or 18? Asher was still, Asher was yeah. younger, obviously, and um, he was, he's very, he's very emotionally just like the same, like, oh, you, we don't know if that's the sad Asher or the happy Asher or the excited. He's just very even, um, very much like my husband, and so um, he, he showed, we were at an HYC, and he, the altar call was given, and he went up to the altar by himself, and I'm like, oh, Yes, it's happening. Like, like he is making progress, and he is showing initiative. Yes. And so I, as a good mom, I went up, and I'm praying for him, and I am, like, saying all of the, like, children-y kind of prayer terms, and I'm like, oh, buddy, yes, Jesus, yes. Buddy, those, belly, those bubbles you feel in your belly, you just, you just let them come up. You just let them come up and, and speak out those words out of your mouth. And literally, I squashed the spirit because he opened his eyes and dead looked me in the eye. And he said, I think you're describing a burp, mom. Right in the middle of the most, the most spiritual encounter in his life. And I'm like, what? All right, we'll try again later. <laughs> yes. And, and so... Very literal for him, but but very different. Each of our each of our kids are different. And I we we understand here this morning that not every home that's represented here looks the same. In fact, none of them look the same. Uh, we are coming to you, and we have we have three young boys, and uh, and so we're going to talk a little bit from that perspective of having having younger children, and and yet we don't want to stick 
just strictly to that today because we know there's a lot of different representations this morning. And so uh, we're actually, I believe that, that strong churches, and that's, that's our goal. We want a strong church, not just, uh, not just uh, you know, this church, but, but any, any church, in order for it to be strong, has to be built on strong families. And strong families are built with strong relationships. Those strong relationships are one, are relationships with one another, whether it's you and your, your spouse, you and your kids, or just you and God. The strong relationships that you have, and it doesn't matter if it's you and your spouse and you and your kids, you still need you and God. You need those strong relationships. And, and that is, is really the core of any strong church. Any healthy church is built on healthy families and whole families, families where we see, where we see that unity and we see that wholeness. There's a, uh, if we, if we go back and, and I want to, I want to really focus in here, uh, at the outset on talking about you and your spouse. And, and we see all the way back to the very beginning in Genesis chapter two that God is creating all of the, all of these things, and he gets to the sixth day, and it says in verse seven that God, or the Lord God, he formed man out of the dust of the ground. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And so we have Adam that is there, who has, uh, who has been created. He is, uh, he is here not only just a, a being or a, uh, a creature like all of the other creatures, but he is set apart. God has breathed the breath of life into him, and he became a living soul. And so he's very different. He's made in the image of God. But in this, uh, in this, this man, we see, uh, we skip down to verse 18. You know, I'll skip, uh, there's, there's a few little good nuggets that I skipped there, but one of the things that God had given mankind to do was to work. And he said, I want you to, I want you to get to work because there's purpose behind work. There's purpose behind doing things um, that that gives that gives mankind um, a, a purpose. But in verse 18, the Lord God said, "It is not good that man should be alone. So I'm going to make him a helpmeet." And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air, and He brought them to Adam to see what He would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature. That was the name thereof. But Adam giving these names to all the cattle, to the fowl of the air, to every beast of the field. But Adam could not find a helpmeet for him. Out of all these other animals, nothing was really compatible for him. Nothing was, was really going to fill some of these voids that he had in his life. And, and God, he said, he caused this great deep sleep to fall upon Adam. He slept and he took one of the ribs out of Adam's side. He closed up the flesh instead thereof. And we could go on. A whole bunch of different. I feel like that's the first surgery in scripture, right? In the uh, anesthesia and that he caused it, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I, it, the uh, the rib coming out and God yeah. God creating Eve, yeah, a transplant. Uh, this rib that was taken from man, he made woman, and he brought her under the man. We could we could go on all these uh, all these other side conversations about. How it was out of the side of Adam that, that the woman was created. It wasn't from his head. It wasn't from his foot. But it was from his side. And, and there's something to be said about that in a, in a helpmeet. 
being a helpmate, being somebody who would come alongside and complete uh, the, the two spouses, that they would complete one another. Verse 23, it says that Adam said, this is now bone of my bones, this is flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, it says, shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. Why is that? It's because, because from the very beginning, they worked, they came out of one flesh. That from the very beginning, it was Adam, Adam's one flesh that woman came out of. And, and so when we find a spouse and the two come back together and they are unified, they become one flesh and they were both naked the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. And so this, this passage here is, is really the beginning of the family. This is the beginning of, of a home and, and creating a, a healthy home that is, is, is one help meet with another. You have Adam that's doing all this work and then, and then he's lonely. He's, he's needing somebody. He has all these things that the animals can't can't do. They say a, a, a dog is a man's best friend, but uh, but the, the dog didn't satisfy Adam. The dog didn't didn't provide all of his needs. Uh, even his relationship with God, as as much as that uh, was was need needed, he still needed a spouse. And I'm so thankful for uh, for my wife, and I'm thankful to have her as as a helpmeet for me because there's so much that that I. Um, that I am built up, that I am made complete because of her. I would not be the man that I am without my wife. And so this, this here is, is talking about the family unit. And, and then it goes on at the end about marriage and coming together and marrying somebody. And so there's something that, that we do. We, um, anytime that we have, uh, a wedding that that I'm doing, and especially anybody here in the church, uh, we go through and we talk about we talk with them prior to that marriage. And what, there's one thing that uh, that is always brought up in those conversations, and it's that a marriage is only as healthy as its least healthy person. It's not it's not going to spiritually or physically outgrow the health of that least healthy person or any of these individuals in the marriage. Wholeness in your marriage starts with wholeness in you as an individual. The, the health of your marriage is never going to outgrow your individual health or your spouse's individual health. A big piece of this is personal discipleship and allowing Christ to work in you and change in you the things that you care about. And that, the, the fruit of that, the fruit of you being a personal disciple comes through and is, there's tons of fruit that's bared in your marriage. When you decide that you are a personal disciple, that you are working on, okay, God, whatever is in me today, today that you want me to adjust or change, I'll do it. And the fruit comes forward in your marriage. And to say least healthy, we're not talking course, physical health. Um, there's physical health challenges that that spouses can face together. Uh, really, what we're what we're talking about is vulnerability with your spouse, being open with your spouse. There, that very last verse of the passage that I read, it says that Adam and Eve they were both naked, 
the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. And there's a certain level of, of openness that needs to be, that needs to happen within a marriage. And here they're, they're talking about, you know, of course, that they were not clothed. They, they didn't have sin. There was no shame in their nakedness. But within a marriage, how, how open and how vulnerable the two uh, you are with your spouse uh, does, really does determine how whole your marriage is. How open can you be in, in being able to, to say, hey, I'm struggling in this area and, and I need you. I, I, or I just need to talk. You may not have all the answers, but I just need to talk. And, and we, we come and we, we are open. We are, we're naked one in front of another in order, you know, in, in an emotional sense so that, so that we can become whole, so that we, be, we can become unified. But in doing that, in it, I'm going to say something first. In order to be able to do that, your marriage has to be a very, very safe place. Vulnerability cannot happen. Real, true vulnerability cannot happen if you or your spouse don't both feel safe with one another. And that's not just like safe, oh, nobody's going to break into my home, but safe as in emotionally safe, that there, that your person is safe and you can trust them with real and raw emotions. In being being vulnerable and in, in exposing ourselves uh, in that emotional sense, there are, there are some things that we get to and we, we have some needs that we might lean on our spouse for that the reality is our spouse can't fill that need. There's some needs and some voids that only Jesus can fill that at times we expect our spouse to fulfill that need. And so within this, and, and I understand even, even in this room right now, we don't have everybody, or not everybody here even has a spouse, but you have some things that you may lean on others, spouse or friends or, or children, somebody else, to fulfill some needs in your life that only Jesus can fulfill. That there are, there are some voids, some vacancies in your heart that are only, they're, they're Jesus-sized vacancies. And if you can't surrender those things to Him, then it's going to show up in, some, in, in different ways. It's going to manifest itself in different ways in your relationship, in your home. Yeah, sometimes that, that inability, and sometimes, you know, we've been serving the Lord so long, but sometimes we have conflict that arises within our home. We have conflict that arises within our marriage, and sometimes that is insight to what is going on inside of each of us as individuals. That sometimes the conflict actually isn't here. The conflict is the conviction between here and there that has put you out of sync with your spouse. And so sometimes it comes to the surface, these, 
these areas that God is wanting to work on in you, they come to surface um, sometimes with miscommunication, um, sometimes with unmet expectations you have in your mind how your spouse should be performing and they are not meeting your expectations, but you've not even communicated those expectations. And now you are a mess within yourself. But really, that is all a cover for the things that are inside that you have unmet expectations with Jesus that you've not taken care of. God gave us a spouse to be a helpmeet. There is wholeness that comes through having a spouse. And I am so grateful because I would be hot mess express without my husband. But I want to tell you this. Your spouse cannot save you. Even if you're married to the pastor of the church, your spouse cannot save you. Only Jesus can do that. Your spouse can lead you to healing, but he or she can actually not heal you. Their words can help nurture healing in your life, but they do not have the power or the ability to heal you. They can't heal you from your wounds, but they can lead you to healing and recovery from the hurt that's so deep and so hard. Within this, within this God-sized void or this Jesus-shaped void that, that you have, this is why a wholeness in the home really it, it starts with the individual. And that's why we set it up that way when speaking to our, speaking about spouses is that ourselves, the, the, the family cannot be whole until each individual takes it upon themselves to have that firm foundation that is built or that is standing upon that rock. We, we opened up with that parable that Jesus, Jesus spoke saying that the house is built upon a firm foundation or upon a rock. And the firm foundation that we built our, our individual selves on is Jesus Christ. And then our family is built upon Jesus Christ. And when we do that, when we do that, we have, we, we are able to, to find healing. We're able to find uh, all of this other vulnerability when we're, where we open up is in a safe place. It's in a safe place because it's built on love. It's built on trust. And it's built on, on not trying to find your identity in your spouse or in your work or in your, or what you do. My identity is not about what I do. My identity is not about, about the, the, you know, my, my relationships and, and who I'm with. My identity is in Jesus Christ. And as long as I have that first and foremost, that, that my identity is as a son of God and that I am his and he, and I belong to him, then, then all of my, my home then can, it, it's not about trying to find identity. It's about trying to find wholeness and, and to find a, a family where we can, where we can build a, a family identity that is built on Christ. But my identity is not about trying to pull it out of my spouse or out of my kids or out of my coworkers, or my friends. Because those things change. Those relationships change. 
those uh, those careers they change and and life is this up and down you, there's this misconception that life is like oh it's gonna get better it's gonna get better it's actually you gotta get that misconception out of your mind because it is it's this series of up and down and so if our if our identity is tied to something that takes a dip then we are going to have a crisis within ourselves but if our identity is tied to the king of kings that is unchanging and his name is forever, then we are going to have a consistency in life that makes us, okay, we're, we're buckling in. Winds may come and, and waters may rise, but we are going to be unshakable. Well, I want to transition uh, our, our conversation just a little bit away from just the spouse uh, into our children. So this here, some of this is going to be specifically for younger children who are in the in the home still that you really have an influence over shaping them. And we get we have that scripture in Proverbs chapter 22 that speaks on being able to shape your children and to having an influence on them. It says train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. This, this scripture is, is talking about instilling principles instilling a, a, a principle about having a firm foundation on Jesus Christ, um, having these things when they are young so that when they're old, they have, they'll never, they're never going to forget. Now there's, they're just, uh, they have as they much have human choice. agency yeah. as you yeah. do. And so they can make whatever choices they want. So this, this promise is, or this, this uh, proverb here is not to say that your children will forever uh, you know, live up to the same, the same things that you taught them, you know, from an early age. And they're always going to, you know, stay on that same straight path that, that you hoped and dreamed that they would. They're going to make their own choices. But when you instill godly principles and when you instill in them the way that they should go, there are things that are going to stick in their mind that they're never going to forget. There are things that you are, you are the one who is able to mold them and shape them and, and you really do make a difference, a, an incredible difference in their life by the way that, that you are, um, that you are raising them up within your home. And so, of course, we all know that the words that we say really mean very little if it's not matched with the actions that we do. They have to see it in you first. And that means that that does not mean that you have to be perfect. None of us are going to be perfect. But in our in our times of weakness, when we fall, they're watching. How do how does my mom or dad you know, do they apologize? Do they express love? How how do they show love? How do they how do they get back up? You know when they fall, and they're not gonna they're not gonna see every time that we trip up and we fall and we make mistakes. Yeah. But there are times that they do. Yeah, and. As hard as it is to hear and to understand, it's, it is in those times and it's most clearly seen in our weakness that when you fall short, what you do next is the loudest teacher. You are, we're going to fall short. We're humans. But what we do after, after our weakness is exposed is going to be the loudest teacher and and if we can teach and instill in our children principles of love and grace 
and forgiveness that is going to carry with them well into into their whole life it's going to be the foundation of who they are we have to be careful in our words the things that you say about them and to them turn into their inner voice and actually some adults need to identify that your inner voice came from things that were said about you or to you. And you need to come to realization that that is not how God sees you. That things that you struggled with, maybe in your identity of never living up, you that inner voice that you've heard, the same one that was on the playground when you were a kid, that voice is not how God sees you. That's not how he created you. But on the other side, as parents, we can contribute. We can be the mouthpiece of God to our children and help them form their identity to see themselves how God sees them. With that, we try to be very careful in our in our home on what we are praising in our kids. Because we can fall into a trap where we only praise the ability of our kids in the things that they that they do well, or or even just you know trying to encourage them, uh, you know things that they are they're not doing, not doing well, and um, and so when we are only praising their ability, what happens is that their identity becomes attached to their ability, and and so let's uh, this is just the easiest example I can think of is is sports, and if I I have I have one son who is who's you know just seems seems as though hitting a baseball came really easy and uh, he's he's always you know just didn't matter he's always just able to, to hit the baseball the other one not so much it was it took a lot of work a lot of practice uh, in order to become more natural the at those third sports. one we're afraid that he's going to be breaking windows with baseballs <laughs> uh, absolutely <laughs> and so if I am if I am merely just praising that ability, something that, that seems to come a little bit more naturally to him. What happens when that ability, you know, it, it disappears it, it, or an injury happens? You know, if we're only affirming the ability, then we're affirming a certain thing about them that says, hey, my identity is about the things that I do well. My identity is about these abilities. When instead what we try to do, and I can't say that we do this perfectly by any means, but we try to uh, instead affirm or to praise their 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 grit or their um, their ability to overcome obstacles or to try to pursue uh, pursue things that maybe they're not good at. Uh, it's not always not that they're not good at it. They may be good at it, but to get better and and more so praise their efforts in uh, that are that are more of these soft skills. I, I, I think yeah, that's the right and term. It, like really in little, little ones, you know, they bring you that paper from school that they did and you're like, oh, that's subpar. <laughs> that artwork is like, it's okay. But it, because it's your own kid, you're like, yay, you, you're such a good artist. But really instead, if we just change our language a little bit and instead of saying, oh, wow, you're such a good artist. And now you're putting in their head, I'm a good artist. I'm a good artist. And then they go to their art teacher and she's like, oh, you need to do that over again. Then they're going to have this like conflict of like, wait, but my mom said I'm a good artist and my mom is right. 
But rather, you can use your language, and I know this is a very elementary example, but it works also for older children, and it works for adults too. But rather, if you praise and you lift up their effort, you praise and you lift up, wow, your use of the color red is very evident, <laughs> right? If, or I can tell that you have been working on trying to stay in the lines, You're getting better. And now it changes how, and then it it like challenges them. Yes, I, I am getting better and I am working. And it affirms the work that they're doing. And this can be seen also in sports. This can also be seen um, in in so many other things that now if we can change, not just in one example, if you can change that, that language, then their identity is now on how am I growing? And that is going to translate a right over to spiritual health. That not that, man, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the best singer, so that's not my worship. You know, that's not my, but if we, if we change into a growth mindset of like, actually you, wow, you're growing. I can see that you're spending more time in prayer. I can see, cause you know what? We're never going to arrive. We're never going to be the best. We're never going to amount to that. But if we can instill this growth mindset in our children and in our home, if we can create this environment of of growing instead of this is who you are and this is the box that you're stuck in. Yeah, and then again, this this extends really into our adulthood even today is is saying, oh, th- okay, this is as much uh, or as as close as I'm going to be to a Bible scholar. Uh, this is as much. I, I'm never really going to be able to do well at teaching a Bible study because um, because I don't I don't necessarily know you know enough about the Bible. But instead, if we can just say, "Hey, I actually have some things in myself that uh, I've been growing and, and things that that God has been speaking to me lately." Now, it's a different mindset when we think think of it that way. When we think about the growth that's happening, and and instead. Focusing on those aspects of our walk with God, and and really, it's all in that that God is able to use us when we are growing. It's it's not yeah. when we're stagnant. It's yeah. not when we. If if our children find affirmation in their personal growth, that is going to translate over into spiritual matters, and it is going to develop in them grit and perseverance instead of. Uh, I hit my first trial and now I, I'm stunned and, and I just roll over to whatever. Uh, I don't know how to re- respond. I don't know how to react. Because in reality, if we are raising children that are going to carry the gospel into the world in this end time, they have got to have grit. They have got to have perseverance because they are going to, they're going to face trials and they're going to face bold personalities that if they don't have the grit within them and personal relationship with Jesus, it is going to be real hard for them to stand firm and to stand strong for what they believe in. As long as we're talking about this, this time that we're living in right now, one thing that we have to affirm within our home, no matter how, no matter what age your kids are today, we need to affirm the truth of the Bible. We need to affirm their identity that is is founded on on the word of God, and that who He says I am, that's who I am, and that I believe that the word of God is 
is forever settled and established in heaven, that it's not going to change, that I'm not going to take any words out of it, I'm not going to remove anything or add anything to it, but that the Word of God is going, it must be the most important, uh, important bedrock to my morals and my, uh, you know, kind of my identity for myself because the world around us today is trying to rewrite identity. And this is something, as we we're, were talking about this yesterday, about this identity piece of it, and especially within the, you know, those teenage years, this has always been a something that's up in the air, right? At least, you know, as far back as we as we can ever think of. And yeah, there's there's this natural us. transition from dependence on your parents to independence. And so in that in that transition to independence as an adult, you're discovering who you are and and what what values you are going to hold on to. And so this identity question has always been there, you know, and and you know, who am I going to be? You go you go off to college. Who who am I going to be even in high school? What group am I going to belong to? And um and so but but today, if we're, if we're talking right now, this identity question is going to the very core identity of God's creation. Of God's creation. Yeah. Exactly. The very core of, oh, we, we already read Genesis 2, that he created male and female. I mean, this is the very core pieces of identity. And, and what has happened is uh, in, in, the, in the 70s, we can go back to... Um, we can go back to some studies that were done by some psychologists, and I, have, I don't have any, I don't have time to go into all of this. But, but what what happened at that time was they tried to begin to separate gender from our our um, biological sex, and and when they separated those two things, what it did is it caused a whole lot of confusion about identity. And this is, I mean, it started way back then, but the conversation has ramped up tremendously over these past couple of years. And, and as I said, we're, we've got to wrap this up soon. But these, this uh, identity um, is something that our, our kids are going to be faced with. And if we don't, in the home, establish where their identity comes from, yeah. somebody is going to talk to them about it. And they're going to have somebody that is going to be presenting to them, hey, choose your own identity. And it's going to be the loudest, most influential voice in their life. That's going to be the influencer. So you as parents and as family members, as grandparents, you better make sure the truth of the word of God is being proclaimed in their life. Get them to church and not just get them into the building, but you have got to make church a priority. And it's not about the building. It's not about, but there is strength that, that comes from gathering together with like-minded people. When they realize that I'm not doing this all on my own, that, that I'm not the weird isolated one, that, that there is strength in the body of Christ, but it can't just happen at the church. And if it's only happening at the church, Good luck. These conversations have to happen at home. 
have conversations about the word at home. And actually, no Bible scholars are needed. If we are all individual disciples allowing God to change the things in us, talk about that. Talk about what God is changing in you. Talk about what God is challenging in you. Talk about what what you're reading. And so that means if you're like, oh, well, I'm not. Let your children motivate you to get to the most spiritual point that you've ever been in your life. Because they need it. They need you to be firm. They need you to be strong and unshakable in the word. We need to change the culture of our home. We need to talk about talk about the things that God is doing. And so for us, for us, there was something uh, that we recognized for our kids. You know, our kids are uh, 10, 7 years old. And we started the conversation uh, a couple of years ago with our oldest and already starting a conversation with, uh, with our middle child, uh, our youngest one's probably still a little uh, naive to all of this, and so, but but we started these conversations that that they're going to hear about sexuality in their in their school. They're going to hear about it from their friends. They're going to hear about all of these things and their, where their identity comes from. So we we started a conversation three years ago. With our, with our oldest child when he was seven. We started this conversation already with our seven year old because, uh, statistics say that the majority of, of kids, and I, I, I should have had this. Do you have I'll it? Go it. Uh, so three years ago, the statistic was that the first exposure to pornography is eight years old. Three years later, that statistic is now six years old. That the first exposure to pornography is in kindergarten. And it's not just one-time exposure. It very quickly turns into an addiction in our elementary age students. So when, when we heard that, we, we said, not in my house. That is not happening under my watch. And so we decided that because a lot of times at that age, it's a curiosity. Kids have older siblings, all of those things. But we are going to be the gatekeepers of information in our home. We are going to be those gatekeepers. And so we have very real conversations about hard topics, even like that. And you should see these boys squirm. It is very, very uncomfortable. But it's either us, we talk to them and give them truth and facts about it, or they learn it from somebody else that's just going to say, oh, if you Google this and then you get on this VPN, you can have access to this. If you don't know what all of that is and you have a teenager, you better learn what a VPN is. Because they are being bombarded by this society and, and the degradation of what what it even means to serve the Lord and what, what the foundation of life even is. And so I, I, I forgot to bring them up here with me, but I know I brought them, I brought them today. We have some cards that, uh, that are just prompts. And, and anytime we kind of bring these cards out to just talk to our kids, um, they're like, ah, we know where this conversation is going, but, um, they are, they're just conversation starters that, uh, some of them are very, very simple. Um, but, but some of them, you know, bring us into uncomfortable conversations for them, but they're needed conversations because this world is out for our kids. It is out for us. And, 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 and I know that's, that may sound like, oh, they're, they're out for us, but they, the, the devil is out for us. He is out for your kids. 
And we have to be the ones that are, that are able to go into those uncomfortable conversations and to establish wholeness, holiness within your home. And, and holiness means that you are founding every or putting everything upon the foundation, which is Christ. And you are establishing within yourself saying, hey, we're going to have unity in our home. We're going to be open within our home. And we are going to have everything uh, yeah. connected to Jesus Christ. Wholeness starts, wholeness in your children and in your parenting and in your marriage starts with striving for wholeness in you as an individual. If you want children that have unshakable love for Jesus, you have to intentionally create a home that nurtures just that. It is not going to just happen by chance. You have to be intentional that as for me and my household, this is what we do. And you've got to be the gatekeeper of what is coming in and out. I want to wrap the conversation up. And again, I know not everybody in here has children at home. I know not everybody in here even has, has a spouse at home. But you have a home. You have a home. And we want holiness within our home. We want ourselves to be whole. We want ourselves to, be, to have a house that is built upon a firm foundation. We want in our homes, in this place, we, we, I want a strong church. But I can't have a strong church without strong families, strong, without strong individuals. And so if we could, let's, let's all around this, this place, just stand up. And I, I want to, as we stand, we're going to just lift up our hands. We're going to ask God, Lord, to help, help me here today. And we talked about vulnerability. We talked about there, there being things that in me that they need they need to not be shaken this way and that with whatever wind the world is, is blowing, you know, whichever way the wind of the world is blowing. And, and now there are things in me, Lord, that, that I don't, I may not have established right now, but God, I need to establish them upon you. I want to be just like that rock that Jesus was talking about, that he said, if you want a strong home, then build it upon the rock. If you want a strong home, then build it upon that firm foundation. If you want a strong, if you want a strong home, then today, would you just grab a hold of Jesus Christ? Would you just grab a hold of the rock that it's not going anywhere? It's forever established. It's forever, it's never changing. And God, I need you to help me to have a backbone. God, I need you to help me, God, to stand for what's right, even when it's not easy. God, I need you to help me every day to make the decision to establish my home on Christ. God, we worship you. Lord, we thank you. Christ is my firm foundation.